and welcome back to the What the Fork review, reaction, and, and bound to be slightly emotional podcast. Um, it feels like all I've actually done this kind of last week is record podcast and smile, essentially, but um, it's not very often we have time to, to drink in moments and memories like we do in the past few days. So uh, welcome to the podcast that I'm going to dub the Wembley Come Down. It does feel like, you know, that the next few weeks are going to be exciting. We've got a new division to look forward to in a division where we feel far more at home, I think. Um, and we've won at Wembley, which is just a huge thing off our backs. But um, me and my guests still, of course, have time to pick apart what was a wonderful day in Sunderland's glorious, glorious history um, at Wembley this weekend. I know we've chucked out podcasts and that already, but I'm sure you're not too disappointed to have more Wembley content. Um, joining me, as ever, is my now championship-level guests. First and foremost, Brad Sharp. Brad, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Graham. Um, I'm glad we're doing this a little bit later because... Uh, I've got about 60-70% of my voice back now. Um, you seen on the half fifth half time when I seen you, my voice was going then. So couple that with what happened in the second half. Yeah, mate, absolutely buzzing. Um yeah, just I think that was genuinely one of the best weekends of my life, if I'm honest, and top with probably the best experience I've ever had at a football game. Like nothing can describe how good that was. It was class. Yeah, I mean, you summed it up pretty well there, but um my other championship-level guest is, of course, Dave Lawrence. Dave, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, mate, let's be honest. <laughs> we've we've had some downs this season between the three of us, and uh, we've, I mean, we've picked apart a lot over the course of a season. But, yeah, nothing's, nothing's beaten that. And then, thanks to you, I've had, mate, I tell you what, if Wembley's impressive from standing in a seat, standing pitch side for two hours and meeting... Well, wow, just absolutely unbelievable, mate. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic here. We will definitely dig into it, and that's one of the first things we're going to come on to. But, um, you know, it's it's great, like, talking about podcasts and stuff. And, uh, you know, when I started doing it, I, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but it was mainly just to make sure I got through my uni degree, and um, it did that. And I continued doing it because people sort of didn't join it. But there's a point when you think, oh, God, I'm speaking about League One every week, and now I want to do more shows on League One. And obviously for Dave and Brad and, and Danny and uh, Phil and Gaz and all the other people who's been on the show, uh, Bowers, this year it's been like the, the first year we've really done review shows and stuff like that. And it got to a point, I think, in February, I was thinking, I wonder if I'll ever have like a nice, happy pod to do where my football club's just fixed. And hey, we're, we're nowhere near where Sunderland want to be. Um, the Champions League is still a little bit too far away. Um, but it does feel monumental. It's like turning this ship around. That was the first step. And it feels like just such a huge weight to just win at Wembley for one, because I think you always kind of like every dog has its day. Well, Sunday never does. I think they would have shot the dog by this point. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so long since we've had that day and, and now we've had it. Hope's a scary thing to be, to be fair, it can often be like prisoning, but um, in football, you need it. You, you need to know that sometimes your luck does you know, the sun does shine on you that day and it, and it has. And that's why I think it feels so good. It's not just something getting out of League One because something getting out of League One is great. It's amazing. But we've had days of something getting out of the championship. We've had days of something getting close to Europe and unfortunately messing it up. Um, but we've had much bigger, much better moments in terms of stature than that. But turning around the, the boat of Sunland and getting rid of a huge weight off our back of winning at a stadium that we never win at is... For a whole generation of Sunderland fans and a generation on top, probably, a massive, massive thing. Um, 
because scars remain for a long time, especially when the hunting ground's not a nice place. But I've gone on and ranted. I'm just happy, like, which is good. Um, Dave, I'll, I'll stick with you, but um, really straightforward question. I've, I've kind of indicated how I feel about this, but where does that day rank on the, on the Richter scale of, of supporting someone? Mate, just the, the the weekend out in general was just phenomenal. Like, that's only the second time I've done Trafalgar Square the night before, and, and it was just epic. Just a massive thanks to you. I know I put a, a massive sentimental tweet out yesterday, which uh, I'd you were drunk. Like, I, I, I genuinely wasn't, to be fair. I was like, it was quarter to five or something like that in the morning, and I just couldn't switch off. Genuinely, you sloppy bastard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't mind. I am. I'm the. I'm the oldest one in the group, so you're just gonna have to put up with my uh, my emotionalness, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, just like the whole journey of of meeting you guys through this and and having people come up to you and going, I thought I recognised your voice, and it's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, yeah. I mean, there's nothing soppy about that. That's for sure. Uh, inside joke. Sorry, folks. Um, yeah, I'm saying um a lot because I haven't got the words really. But it's up there. It's absolutely up there with one of the best weekends following Sunderland ever. Um, that goes back to the '92 FA Cup final, the 2014 League Cup final, getting promoted. I've definitely stood in the streets of Sunderland with an open top open top bus parade before when we've been promoted from the championship and it, w- it was brilliant but I genuinely think that was up there um, yeah I'd, uh, just unbelievable and then I've, I've took a step back today because I came home and had a couple of other beers tomorrow uh, yesterday so and I've just sat back today and I thought do you want to know something West Sunderland and like Burnley Norwich and Watford have come down and am I scared of them with Alex Neil in charge. I'm genuinely not. Now, it's amazing what football does, isn't it? Because if you'd have looked six months ago, seven months ago, I'd have probably told you we weren't going to get out of League One. And now, don't get me wrong, I don't think we're going to win the league. But do I think potentially we could finish 10th next year? Got every every faith in it. If he keeps that front four or five, adds in the depth that he's got, yeah, my... my um, expectations uh, through the roof to a degree ninth place I'd say that Brad I think um, on the days of supporting Sunderland I think we've both touched on it there we've both had like on paper bigger moments in terms of like winning the championship and under Roy Keane and stuff like that but singular days singular like weekends that 24 hour period of Trafalgar Square in the night and then actually winning at Wembley and doing something I mean, for you how high does that that rank on the Richter scale of supporting Sunderland Brad? Um, to a personal level, mate, I'd probably put that as number one. And obviously, you've seen how Archie was there the weekend. He loved it. Um, so we talk when, when when we talk as Sunderland fans, like our age, I'm 30, years mid 30s. We talk about these moments back when we were in school, not even teenagers, and why we fell in love with the club and the amount of kids that we'd seen there with their dads when we were them kids one day and we still talking about them moments years in the future that day there is going to be something that they're going to tell their children about and they're going to do on their podcast in years to come because that is a 
like you've already said, it's, it feels like the ship's turned. And now we're not speaking too soon because we don't know what will happen next season. But we've finally had that moment of the club, the fan base, young and old, everyone pulling in the same direction. And hopefully that's now the stepping stone for the next generation to get behind the club. So for that reason, like, like I say, I put on social media about Archie um, walking in Wembley for the first time in his face was unbelievable um, he said to me on the way back that was the best weekend of his life and even that from like your 10 year old and that's all you want really when you take your sons to the, when you take your children to the game when you start getting involved in it all <clears throat> sorry you can tell my voice is still bad <laughs> um, you, you want to know that they're going to love the club as much as you do and I think days like that weekends like that and she was in the next generation do follow on from when, when the three of us are 50 year olds can't be bothered we know that the next generation are going to be doing it and we can just sit there and listen to their podcasts in the future that's the sort of feeling and like the sense I've got just solely based on that one weekend so yeah we've had better days we've had more I would say it, as, as a club probably higher higher highs um, being on like a different level but for me mate number one and that's because I feel like the club has got a future now, whereas in, in you know, recent history, I, I've, I've felt like we're, we're going to lose fans. But now it's, yeah, amazing. I think, that, I think that's why the weekend was so big as well. I think that's a really, really valid point was like, there was a lot of chat about people saying, oh, people have never been to Wembley and they come on for that. And the guy next to me said, he went, mate, I genuinely haven't been in, in League One. And I know that's going to annoy people. I know that is because they're going to think, well, where were they before? They don't deserve that. That's not support. But the club does need a cycle of fans that want to be enticed to come back. Um, there'll be young fans like Archie. Say if Archie does a podcast or whatever it is, a space podcast when we're landing on the moon by that point um, and playing football games solely in Qatar. Um, he will talk about that moment. And I was like, I mean, how old is Archie, Brad? Nearly 11. He's 11 in June. If you go back to the podcast we did last week when we were chatting about the memories we had, they were all around 10, 11. And like when I, I mean, the way you remember things are never as good as you, you think they were and the way that you remember things that were bad and never as bad as you thought they actually were in the time. However, they, they are in your mind. Like when I look back at the Phillips and the summer years, they were amazing. And I remember never like being angry getting beat but we did get beat we, you know we never got to Europe we finished seventh just for two years in a row but to me it feels like the greatest time I ever followed football but that was because it was the moment I fell in love with it and there'll be people in that crowd that have either gone away from the football club and came back to it and I know people think you should support the club forevermore and I'm like that like I cannot turn me back on something no matter what I do but there is people that have got other things and they came back for that weekend there was definitely people in that crowd that came back for that weekend and enjoyed it. And there's people that I've seen online say, I've gotten a, I've gotten a season ticket. I haven't had one for X many years. And you can call it glory hunt and call it what you want. But it's nice to have like people wanting to come back to see Sunderland, not being seen as a joke or a thing that you just get angry at or why am I bother wasting my money on that? But for the younger generation that's going and maybe don't understand football because of the experience that we have at the moment, it's just a nice thing to do in a weekend or a thing they're just getting a passion for. That day is going to be etched in their memory. That day for them is not going to be, oh, well, Sunderland just got out of League One. 
it's going to be like, whoa, I seen my team win at Wembley and I did it with my dad, my mom, my auntie, my mates. Like imagine being 14, 15, 16, the kind of age when you first started going away with Sunderland. There'd be people in the crowd that like, that's their memory. I mean, we did a full pot on Wembley memories and not one of them included a win and yet we still remember them because they were so special, those moments of scoring at essentially the most, probably the most famous ground in the world. Um, but these people, these young kids, these people who maybe have just gotten their first football game or been dragged along by a mate, whoever it may be, they've seen something that, and evidently taken their breath away. There's people outside of Sunderland that have gone, what was that? And that's going to bring things back. That's going, This club is a juggernaut. And I know that in a year's time, we might go, well, that juggernaut kind of didn't go very far. Um, there's every bit of a chance of that, but it feels like a positive momentum. And, and Saturday was like a... For me, not just a good day, a symbol of something the entire weekend. And I think that's why we wanted to do another podcast where we're kind of trying to come out of the clouds. I'm just rambling now, to be honest. But but Dave, obviously, um, we know, myself and Brad, and I think obviously the people who you know, know what your weekend was like, but the people listening kind of won't know. So in the shortest but longest and best way possible that you can... Um, explain to people who are listening how your weekend was different because we all have our own memories Brad's had his with Archie I've had mine with, with Ashley um, we've all exercised our own demons but you had a, a particularly wonderful day explain how it happened what happened and, and why it was even extra special for you yeah um, I mean so basically before obviously me not being a season ticket holder and living a good four hours down south unfortunately it was always going to be quite difficult for me to get tickets. Um, so me and my family booked uh, hospitality as soon as it became available. Uh, we put through the business. Luckily, we got quite a successful business, Touchwood. And um, we, we sorted out that. And then I think no sooner had we done that, I think you messaged me and uh, and said there was a bit of a, a gig going on if I fancied it. And obviously, intrigued, he just pop up. And I all, we, I'd like to think everybody appreciates in the way that I talk and the way that I, I come across that I, I genuinely love what I do with you guys. Um, I've, I've done a few of the podcasts as well um, and I just genuinely love it. It's, it's uh, I guess for me, not living in the heartbeat of Sunland, this is my way of keeping in touch with it 24-7. I get to talk about talk about with people who are on a similar level to me and that's brilliant. Um, I can talk with someone down here who's a Cheltenham fan and with the greatest will in the world yeah I might as well be talking about horse racing because football is just not second nature to them um, so yeah you told me about that and that it was a, a gig for Sky Bet basically um, so after <laughs> and apologies to the Sky Bet lads because I have pestered them for the last 10 days kind of going where do I need to be what do I need to do what do I have to wear where am I at blah 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 and they haven't had that much information themselves. So going right up until the day on Saturday, um, I, I had didn't have a match ticket, but I had been accredited by the EFL. So I was like, right, where do I gotta be? Where have I gotta be? Friday, we obviously all met up in Trafalgar Square, which was which was epic. It was lovely to spend a couple of minutes with you guys and and have a have a little podcast in the middle of Trafalgar Square, which was a bit daft. Uh, nice to catch up with Ashley and, and stuff. And then Saturday morning came round. I must admit, I didn't go too silly on Friday because I didn't want to be too rough. 
and we got to Wembley. I met my folks off the train because I'd stayed Friday. Um, my dad got off the train with my nephew, who my nephew's six-year-old, so talking about that, what you were just saying about kids at that age, and by all accounts, because I wasn't in the same part of the ground as him, 15 minutes in, he was a little bit scared a little bit. The noise and stuff was absolutely mental. And then by the end of it, he's dancing, he's jumping about, and it's just what it's all about, you know. Um, so I met them, and we got the Wembley Wembley steps, and here's a bloke wearing a wearing a blue suit, uh, and he said, "Excuse me, mate, you couldn't take a picture for us, me and the me and the kids and the wife." So like, yeah, yeah, of course. So snapped a picture. I said, "Tell you what, you look as though you might be able to help." I'm commentating for Sky Bet later. I don't suppose you could point us in the right direction. And he goes, "Come with me." And anyway, shout big shout out to this bloke, Alex, who was uh, who was head of the EFL of, of all things. So he gets me into the ground. He shows me where the coaches come in, and I basically stood for two hours pitch side, just looking up in awe, kind of going, "What on earth is this?" It's impressive from from the ball when you stood in a seat and and taking it all in standing down there and seeing people like I had a chat with David Prutton um I had a chat with Danny and Frankie uh for a good 45 minutes Danny Collins I've got all the time in the world for he just we were just talking away I had a chat with Kevin Phillips David James then got to stand in the tunnel watch the players come out for uh just to have a bit of a view of the pitch and whatever Oh, mate, just absolutely phenomenal. And then from there, um, met uh, Donna, lovely, lovely lady who was doing the the Wickham commentary. Uh, got took up to the to the TV gantry, and as a few people, uh, I think it's probably my most liked uh, tweet, which doesn't take much to be five tweets, but kind of, I'm on a desk right next to Andy Hinchcliffe, um, so we're commentating away. And literally, just like at halftime, there was someone, and I was like, what's going on here? And someone was shouting some abuse at him, and I think it just ended up with a drunk Markham turned around going, Barry Bannon, <laughs> which I've got all the time in the world for. And then second half, unsuspecting to me, I just caught out the corner of my eye. I'm like, what's that? Inflatable crocodile comes from Rosehead, knocks over his bottle of water all over his notes, and he's just there, and he's like, Oh, proper little diva, and his little runner comes over, gives him a fresh bottle of water, pats up his water. To be fair, he was very professional. He got on with it. He didn't let him disturb. But um, yeah, the there will be a video out at some point with me on a GoPro, I think. So I'm not looking forward to that. But um, I guarantee you, I, I started off trying to be, and I tell you what, one thing I'm impressed with, I didn't swear once. Not once in the whole thing did I swear, which I've, I'm proud of myself. Okay, now. Tell me about it. Um, first goal went in, and I tried to, like, I almost tried to come across professionally. I think we all know between the three of us that I'm probably the analytical one. I'm the one who likes to dig into the, like, why is he playing this formation? Why is he doing that? So I, I was thinking, right, this is me moment in the limelight here. I am, like... I'm John Motton. I don't care what anyone says. I am I am Motty here. And to be honest, by the time Ross Stewart's score went in, I'm pretty confident that I lost me shit. My seat went flying and I definitely started crying. Um, so, yeah, what a weekend. 
what a weekend. So thank you. He said, um, Dave said that he lost his seat there, but um, Brad, I believe that you may have some kind of memorabilia from uh, Saturday's match accidentally. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> when we scored the first goal, I picked my, co- my, my son of Archie and my cousin. He's a six foot six, 22 stone copper picked up his son and his son takes after his father and the four of us are jumping together and then we went forward and we ended up on the guy in front because the seat that he was the seat back of his gave way and snapped clean in half so yeah we've brought back half of a Wembley seat with a 233 written on which is our seat number but from the row in front but technically we can say seat 233 I was thinking shall I go and say I've brought your seat do you want it back you know, fuck it. It's yeah. So I, I've actually came out with a bit of Wembley from that day as well. Um, the seat in front, because that poor seat I must have had over forty stone like, <laughs> coming over the back of it. Plus the three or four blokes behind us who piled into us as well. It was absolute carnage. So uh, Dave jumped out of his seat. I broke a seat. <laughs> Um, and I haven't seen anything from Wembley saying they've had any damage. And if they do, I will open the old man's up and say, yes, it was me and I will pay for it. And it wasn't intentional criminal damage. It was general euphoria. And the seats are shit that they're not built any stronger to hold over 40 stone. <laughs> I think it was funny. Like One of the nicest things... And I'm very conscious of saying this because it's definitely not the reason any of us do it. But one of the nicest things was being able to speak with complete strangers who have maybe recognised my voice or listened to one or two episodes. Um, and there was a particular bloke who was stood next to me who um, had listened to more than one or two episodes and um, enjoyed the show. And we had a really good bit of crack. And there was another bloke in the, um, I think the academy, that's not where I was, in the, the bit at the back where you drink beer. Um and he did say that concourse. Concourse, that's the one. And he did say, if we win, I said to him, I said, if we win, it'll be the best podcast ever, mate. So I did promise him I would say that. So there you go, mate. It's in. Um, but when the sec- it's funny you talk about celebrations. The first one went in, and I'll be honest with you, I'd, I'd try my best not to swear on this, but it's hard. Um, so forgive me for that. I know it's not the best vocabulary, but whatever. And the bloke next to me, like, Randomly at one point, you went, are you so-and-so's mate? And I went, no. Uh, and the guy behind me was obviously someone who spoke about um, and joined a couple of episodes of the podcast. So when the first one went in, so early doors, and it was so quick that those goals had gone in, we all started like properly hugging. Um, we had a nice big hug. And the guy, I'll never forget it, the guy next to me was just going, you bastard, get in, you bastard, bastard, get in, you bastard repeatedly but the second one there was something about me when Pritch passed that ball uh, Ross Stewart I was like he's banging that in the bottom corner he did it exactly as I thought he would in that split second I was like that's what we're going to do and I didn't I actually just want to soak it in right so I just put my arms out like out wide as if like you know uh, Wolf of Wall Street I'm not fucking leaving kind of celebration if that makes sense um, and I did that for about 10 seconds in class I'm just soaking this all in and then same as you Brad I got the lad from behind me piled on top his mate piled on top his hat came off and the guy next to me flew over and f- fell onto me so I don't quite know how we didn't break a seat 
Um, but if anyone's listening, I can understand how easily they were broken. Um, one thing that has sort of happened through all this, the memories of the day are class, and I'm so pleased we got it recorded, um, just for my own sake, if I'm honest, now our own sake. But um, one thing that has sort of dawned on me in this time you know, when like something good happens and then you just remember everything that's come beforehand. Um, it's been four really long years at League One level, really long. Um, and in a way, the entire experience of League One has come back for me because it's probably in the positive and the negative, mainly negative, some of the most memorable experiences. I wouldn't want to say memorable. I'll just say rememberable. Have you felt the same, Brad? Like you've kind of gone back on the stuff that has happened throughout League One and gone, oh my God, we've really had all of these moments. Like I think the first one for me was Max Power getting his knob out on Netflix. That's the first thing that came back and then gradually other things started coming back. Have you had that four years which have played back in your head since we've been promoted? Brad? I reckon, I reckon he's lost us, mate. He's lost his sound. You must have done. Dave, you take over. Brilliant. Um, yeah, mate. I funnily enough, I was talking uh I was talking to someone about this the other day. Um, and I don't know if anyone remembers um kinda when we first went down, how how novel it was and how we were looking forward to like trips to Kenilworth Road and which we've got to look forward to again, by the way. Um, but all these little grounds, Akrip and Stanley and, and stuff like that. And by the time we got to the second and third and fourth season, we were just like, nah, nah, we've we've had it. We've done our we've done our bits and pieces. We we don't want this anymore. I suppose there will be bits to to look back on, which uh, would they have happened at, at a higher level? Possibly not, but Lugo Nine and Catamol fighting with Pompey fans. That that one sticks out a little bit. Good fun. Um Everyone getting absolutely drenched at Rinton Stanley. Uh, I completely forgot about that, mate. I was at that game at Rinton Stanley, and I would never envisage me envisage massage. I'll just say massage. It sounds like the word I meant to say. Um, a game getting called off in the seventy-two minutes, and me being pleased about it after travelling all down. I was delighted that game was called off because I literally I had to go to Subway in Blackburn and put my underpants and my trousers and that on the uh, radiator whilst I like, hid in a pair of socks and my underpants. Um, actually, I don't even think I was in my underpants. I think I just hid in the the like the disabled bogs until my clothes dried up a bit because I was literally soaked through. Um, it was one of the worst yet most memorable experiences I've ever had. But sorry, Dave, I kind of I forgot that even happened. No, mate, it's... Um, yeah, I bet that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's genuinely like that. There is going to be bits that people remember and kind of forget about, and 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 that's the great thing about it. But yeah, there's there's been <laughs> there's been some good good memories, I suppose. I remember kind of yeah. There's plenty of loads of, of little things that have happened, and and kind of I suppose what it has done is. The not the diehards and the daft lads who have kind of put up with it. It's it, it's made when something's happened a little bit more special, or on the negative side, a little bit more of a downer. Um, so it's kind of like 
yeah. Fuck it, we won at Wembley. I don't care, mate. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. We won at Wembley. How are the lads? <laughs> uh, we're going to split it into two part. We, we we try to keep our podcast short and sweet, like half an hour, 40 minutes, but there's just an E point. Um, what we want to do, I know we're kind of happy we're out of it, but let's, um, I don't know if it's celebrate is the right thing, um, but we're going to go back a little bit through, obviously more of the day at Wembley for 20 minutes or so. Um also sort of the, the, the pain and also the hilarity of League One and what's gone through it. And maybe when you come back in part two, we're going to have a, a wee chat about our spell in League One, which hopefully we'll never have to sort of relive because it has been in many ways hilarious and um, ridiculously memorable for all of the wrong reasons up until Saturday. But um, I hope you enjoyed part one. Uh, we have. If you haven't, then fair enough. That's fine. Um we have enjoyed talking about Wembley. We could speak about it on a podcast per day. We can do that as well if you want to. Um, but we're going to come back for part two, chat a little bit about League One and the daftness of it all, um, and then go back to Wembley to end up on the, the nice memories and kind of go through a little bit of Saturday and what that meant. Um, but thanks for, for tuning in. Um, you've asked for the death metal interlude to come back. We had a few people who wanted that back, so I will put it back in. I haven't decided what it is yet, but I'll make sure it's disgusting, dirty, and very, very heavy. Hello and welcome back to, uh, to part two. Uh, thanks for joining us in part one. Uh, part two, obviously, Brad's came back, but we've lost Dave in the melee. Uh, now he's going to do some working and stuff. And uh, I just kicked him off. He'll never return. And uh, now that he has let us down for part two, uh, he will no longer be promoted to the championship. He will be relegated to League One podcasts only. Now he will be back for those who enjoy him. Um, Brad, I was chatting to you. Dave, before about League One memories, and we ended up just getting emotional talking about Wembley again. Um, but me and you have, we sort of met on away days in League One, essentially. We didn't know each other back in the, the Premier League days or the, the very short, depressing stint in Championship previously. And as much as like looking back through League One, the daftness of it all is sort of depressing in many ways. And, and at the time, it definitely hurt in many ways. But I think it's also really character building, that sort of League One memory. So I don't want to touch too long on it. And we will come back to the goodness of, of Wembley, of course. For those of you who don't want to listen to the next 10 minutes, just fast forward on. That's completely fine. Little bit like a shit sandwich. Two lovely slices of Wembley bread with a big dollop of shite in the middle. Um, but League One has been hilarious in many ways. I'm delighted we're out of it, hopefully permanently. Um, but what are the kind of League One memories that you remember there? We talked about Akron and Stanley in the rain getting called off in 72 minutes. We touched on Warsaw invading the pitch after a 94-8 equaliser, which I can't confirm nor deny I was part of. Definitely was. Um there's so, so many memories of so many daft things that happened. Good, nice memories, fun, nice memories. Portsmouth we touched on, but but what are the ones that maybe we haven't touched on so far, Brad, that, that you kind of can recall in the, in your mind's eye at the moment? Um, big one for me was Lee Catamore turning into an attacking midfielder and banging in goals for fun in the first year, which made me think, what sort of league is this? So I remember the, the day he got his brace, was that at Gillingham? He... I watched it. I remember. I wasn't actually like I was at Teesside Park doing shopping, listening uh, the, the the commentary, and even Lee Catamwall had banged in too. I was just like, "What on earth is going on here?" 
Um, like we like we touch on, we only without being big headed, really, we only really expected to be here for a year. And the first season was a novelty. Maybe we were enjoying it that first season. We were winning games. Towards the end, it soured a bit, and we picked up far too many draws for my liking. But by getting beat five four at home to Coventry, it sums up that when we were being in League One, one season was curtailed, and we got like knocked out of the playoffs by the team that was just Peter Wembley on a points per game um, with Phil Parkinson in charge, and the next season's played completely behind closed doors. Um, so <laughs> I think that little season and a half really summed up the whole of League One for me um, like I said I, I've made some great friends along the way I wasn't really doing podcasting or guesting on podcasts for maybe even a year ago I think I only started just before Wembley last year and I think the first time I, I seen you was when I was telling my story about Trafalgar Square and the Queen seeing you and Ashley having a laugh and just started messaging you from there and like I said, I've met some great people over the, or, along the time. Um, met you down at Accrington. Again, I was with Archie, with Ashley. Met some good crack down there. Um, there's been funny memories. There's been some very, very bad ones, hasn't there? Like, I, my, my, my mate came to two away games with me this year, and the only two he came to was Wotherham and Bolton. And I was like, mate, you're not coming back to anymore. And they asked me if I'll sort him a ticket for Wembley. And I said, no, you're my mate, but no, I'm not I'm not taking that risk. Um, but now it's all been behind us. It's sort of like, yes, it lasted too long for me. Um, but yeah, there's been some good ones. Hasn't I'm sure if you listen to other podcasts, like the Wiseman say, what report speaks, Sunderland, Mackham in the middle, they'll all come up with loads of memories and then that will probably trigger hours where I'm thinking, oh, I wish I'd mentioned that. We touched on Catamore before, scoring Sorry. that goal against uh, Wimbledon. The other the double against Wimbledon. I, I always remember, like, it was kind of weird because we had these players that were, like, League One level, so they were a bit more accessible in the sense that they were, like, a little bit more active and had a bit more banter about themselves. Like, Max Power was, like, the first one. Like, the first few months of him absolutely torturing Donald Love it was really, really funny. Because it was like, that's how we all felt about Donald Love, like Daft Donald. And he is dafty. Never met him, but I bet he is. And he just tortured him. And there was also that kind of moment where he was in the car and he scored the two goals against Wimbledon and Max Power was doing the two times. And he's like, it's the goal machine. And it was funny. Like that was like daft a bit at the time. And like, obviously, 09 getting shoved over the ball out of Pompey in hindsight, hilarious. Brett Pittman shouting at the ball boy in the same game who was like 12 year old. Like, it was just like, Brett Pittman doesn't even look like a footballer. Still doesn't. I mean, I don't either, but he gets paid for being in professional football and he looks like a bricklayer. Um, not that I judge, you know, he can do what he wants. Um, things like Parky coming out and saying he would have been happy with a draw at uh, Gillingham. Then me going down to Gillingham, travelling on a five o'clock bus with the Jarrah branch and... Connor Ogilvy scoring a 90th minute winner and having to come back knackered on a court that just smelt like dark fruits and strongbow and Boddington's. Um, after seeing us get beat 1-0 off Gillingham was like, and this was around the time when I was trying to impress Ashley. Um, thankfully, she kind of understood that Gillingham away was a necessity, um, but in hindsight, maybe not the, the best move. 
Accrington away, we touched on before, going down to Accrington in the Carabao Cup first round because I was like, well, technically I didn't go because the game was called off last season and ended up um, me phone ran out of battery, my mum not knowing where to pick us up because it was a period when I was back home and just being stuck in like, I think it was Silksworth or something. Stuck there for about an hour at night, at like two in the morning because obviously that was a night game. There's just so many like daft things that have happened. And like even the players you go through, like Lawrence de Bock. What was that? Like five at the back with Lawrence de Bock in a back three. Like at, that was at Gillingham. Why has he got five at the back against Gillingham? And there was that like kind of moment where you were just like, oh God. Uh, Lee Johnson getting appointed and saying all the right stuff and all like buzzing to beat Wig- uh, Wigan who were bottom of the league at that time getting done 1-0 with their only shot on target um, Aidan McGeady getting ostracised for like a year and telling and, and the rumour going around that he was a, he bullied Denver Hume before he subsequently came back and played on the left wing with Denver Hume and then Denver Hume getting injured um, Lee Burge cannoning the ball off Brennan Johnson for Lincoln's second in the playoff semi-final <laughs> and trying to convince ourselves that we might we might just win the second leg and then subsequently going 2-0 up, including Charlie White missing a wide-open goal after rounding the keeper, I think. One of the, actually, something just massively came back to me. Talking about Charlie White, hope you're doing well, Charlie. Nice to hear that you, you are doing well if you are listening. Um, listening to you on the, or listening to Max Power on the podcast, of course. Um, but you'll remember this yourself probably if you are listening. I doubt he is like, but um, specifically remember him running clean through one goal against Rochdale, <laughs> panicking that Charlie White's 40 yards from goal with only the goalkeeper to beat thing. And what is he going to do? Just lob it, just shoot, just do something. Him then rounding the goalkeeper and still not feeling confident that he was going to put it in. And literally the whole ground just going, what's he going to do? Like, I, I remember that so, so well. Before the stupidity of him actually going on to score 31 goals the season afterwards, like completely converting himself. Um, Doncaster at home last year, where we scored four goals and all of them were Aidan McGeady crosses and assists and all four of them were scored by Charlie White. And Doncaster missed two penalties, which Lee Burge saved twice. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, things like tweeting, I can't wait for the season to be back. Uh, and then someone tweeting, oh, but this will be me at five past three when Bristol Rovers go 1-0 up. And then coincidentally, Bristol Rovers did go 1-0 up after a mistake on the first game of the season. Um, Will Grigg. Will Grigg is a memory. Like that happened. We paid five million for Will Grigg. Um, even going right back to the start of League One and Didier and Don getting sacked. Like our record <laughs> signing getting sacked. <laughs> Mate, here's one right at the start. And how didn't we look past this? We'll change the seats, but you're doing it yourself. <laughs> and in the same breath, some lad changing it and Luke 09 helping him. And then one lad saying, Who are you? you should sign it in case you ever turn into something. Uh, in case you ever make it. <laughs> and then, uh, we asked for League One then. <laughs> and then changing the seats. And then a season after changing those seats, the attendance being so low for an FA Cup first round game against Gillingham and not being able to afford the ball boys that John McLaughlin went into the seats to get oh, the ball back. Find, his, find the ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. 
even through lockdown, they didn't have to do that. Um, <laughs> and another one, like speaking of memories, like the leaders on the promotion charge from January, Phil Parkinson rested his hat on Kyle Lafferty. Yeah. <laughs> I like Lafferty. I mean, you have a Rangers affiliation. We know he was a good player, but I mean, come on. <laughs> he was never going to lead us, was he? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that is... Oh, mate, what, what a time that's been. I'm Josh, so glad we're not having to do a fifth season, but... Josh Gowan on the right wing in a midfield three. Like... <laughs> 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 like... Uh, like what? What are the other stupid things that have happened? Like, I suppose I'll get shot for this because everyone knows I technically love him in a weird way. But George Dobson being like seen as a very positive signing because he was young and Captain Walsall, and we all like convinced ourselves that this was a positive. Like, yes, we should be signing the Captain of Walsall. That's a really good positive sign, and he was rubbish, absolutely rubbish. Sorry, George, you're doing fine for Charlton. I'm sure you don't mind me saying that. Sometimes clubs don't work out, but. I mean, things like oh, I'm trying to uh, Will Grigg, like Remy Matthews couldn't get a game for us, and he just went and signed, and then he goes and signs for Crystal Palace for a season. Just Remy Matthews, in it? Just Remy <laughs> Matthews, <laughs> and just, how? <laughs> just Remy Matthews in general. One one that stick, stuck out to me just there was Blackpool at home. Everyone and. And Lewis, who some of you might remember, used to write for uh, Wise Men Say. Uh, he, <laughs> I remember this so well. First season, everyone's buzzing about Will Greg signing home debut. Blackpool at home, clean through on goal, rounds the goalkeeper, puts it in the side net, and and I specifically remember Louis turning around and just going, "Oh God, man, why is he not on fire?" <laughs> Like just uh, almost like that. Even even down to Saturday, right? Alex Pritchard's going a third minute free kick, and everyone's celebrating it to realize it was a side net. And like League One has been ridiculous up until Saturday in that particular moment because it was quite good after that. But like even this season, um, the Roy really? Keane chase, we Philly, we Philly announcing Jermaine Defoe for the Premier club. Premier League club. Do you say someone trying to run through the parents' door? Running up to a player that we're going to be signing, everyone knows him. He goes up to the window. It's Defoe. It's Defoe. It's not Jermaine Defoe because it's just nobody who I have a clue who he is. <laughs> Jermaine Defoe signing and me signing Defoe and then retiring after like seven weeks. Me, just, me having oh. five weeks worth of podcast saying why we should sign Jermaine Defoe before him retiring. Subsequently, seven weeks later, because. He wanted to give younger players a chance. We will have our own opinion on that. My opinion is whatever. It doesn't really matter now, I suppose. But just this whole stupidity of one last dance, for example, like, and how buzzing I was that he signed and came back. There was a flag, a banner made up for the Doncaster game. And then because someone threw a flare, the club said, nah, you're not putting that up. And they'd spent money trying to get that flag put up, man. And it's like, that one last dance, mate, was just... Oh, what was it? It was nothing, was it really? Um, I mean, I, I've been openly critical about how Defoe retired. You know, you know how much I love him, loved him, love him. If we didn't get promoted, mate, I'd have been in on him. But look, looking back now, it was the right thing for him to do. He should never have come back. But I think at the time we were in such a bad place on a bad run 
really thinking are we actually going to struggle to even make the playoffs here we all just had that again euphoria that that's nostalgia that Defoe will come in he'll fire us up and then that's it but looking back now mate now we're promoted the dust has settled we should never in the million years have tried to sign him back and had we fully run around on deadline day to get exclusives talking about former players right and I mean I could go on about the ridiculousness of League One so on uh, so long and I, and I hope you're all having a laugh at this because we're out of it like there is a point to me asking these questions but um, talking about signing former players Danny Graham that's League One like literally in a nutshell and him missing from a yard out against Mansfield who we subsequently lost 1-0 against two years in a row in the first round of the FA Cup um, and Danny Graham scoring his only Sunderland goal that he actually meant against Aston Villa under 18s that we beat 8-1. <laughs> That's what I put on Twitter. If anything, I'm going to be buzzing about is not having to lose the fucking Mansfield in the first round of the FA Cup. We're finally going to be coming into the third round in January. We're going to get official international breaks, not where the game's getting called off 10 days before because three players might get called up or not. <laughs> it's just like, we're finally going to get that like back to what we used to. But again, it's just like all thinking back on them now. I'm sure when the pod goes out, mate, we'll be tweeting extra memories just to add on to them. And if anyone else while they're listening has any memories, please just put them in the comments because it, it's just a bit of nostalgia now that we're out of the league. If we'd have came and lost, mate, I, I don't think we'd be doing this pod now, would we? Or certainly not laughing. No. And there's totally a point for why I asked all of these kind of things because A, it's very funny. Um, League One has been ridiculous now that we can look back on it. But since February, a lot of those things I mentioned do hurt your pride because you love your football club. And I was, and you can listen back to it, I wanted Johnson gone, I wanted Defoe in and I wanted Keane to come in and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I was all right with Alex Neal. I thought, yeah, not bad. But that man, going back to Wembley, that man has created so much pride back in my, our, your football club just by being honest and good at his job and answering questions like a Sunderland manager should. And he's got us up and he's been here three months and he's been the best manager we've had at this level by far. And I'm sure... Torchwood, he'll be here a lot longer. He said he wants to be here. And if anyone in that board thinks he shouldn't be here, they want absolutely kicking right directly up the arse. Bilal Moshni style, if you don't know what that is, Google it. It's very funny. Um, but that was why Saturday was so special. And that's why since February it's been so special. The pride was completely ripped out of this football club. The arse was completely, like, literally, the arse was gone from it. The pride, the history, everything was on the verge of, we didn't even want to do a review podcast. And that was after the MK Dons game, which is when Alex Neal was in charge because we were so sad about what we thought the football club had become. For him to galvanise it, and the players deserve credit for this as well, absolutely, to the point where we got on Saturday and the first part of that podcast we all spoke about. I mean, it just goes to show you how much Saturday for me, and, and I don't know about you, but how much does Saturday wipe away all the pain and that hurt from not just the past four seasons, Brad, the past six seasons, we got double relegated and had four seasons in League One. How much does Saturday wipe away all of that and Alex Neal's job and the job that he's done? It does, mate. I mean, <clears throat> I would say in a few months' time, once again, the dust settled properly and then we get back into preparing for the championship and 
we'll look back and think, fuck now, we were a, we're a League One club for four years. There's no taking that away. It's in our history now. Before that, it was all, we've only been at that level once before, twice before. So it is always going to be there. But you're right about Alex Neal. And there's a famous man, famous Sunderland man, once said, the club got under his skin. He loves Sunderland. And I can tell straight away that that same engraving of the area of the club itself has got in. Uh, we've got under Alex Neal's skin. You could just tell. Um, oh, man, it's just a fucking whirlwind of emotions at the minute. Um, yeah, it, we always going to remember the times in League One and how shit ultimately was shit. Take away all these this last twenty minutes where we've had a good laugh about it. It was proper shit and it had us so depressed like you've said MK Dons we didn't want to do a pod we had, start, we had to do a pod to get fans to at least remember the happy times of Sunland. let lo and behold three months later that was probably the happiest most Sunland fans will remember um, but yeah just yeah, just don't come back to this league let's just kick on now for me um, but like I went on Total Sport early and I just before I came on here and I said for the first time in a very, very, very long time, I felt like the players, the staff, the commentators, the the, the, the kit man, the every single man, woman and child in that stadium, you name it, everyone was as one. And that's the first time I've felt that. I, I, you could say maybe it's the, the Sam Allardyce versus Chelsea or Everton. You, you, you could maybe go back to that, but that for a different reason on a different scale for the sheer amount of people that were there. That's the first time in my memory that has coming to me that I felt like every single person associated with Sunderland Football Club were as one. It just feels like, I mean, I'm almost 100% certain that none of the players listen to any of the podcasts and I would recommend they don't. Um so I know Alex Neal's not going to listen to this, but the reason I wanted to start on how good Wembley was in part one and then discuss about the stupidity of League One and the four years we've been here is because um, I think sitting back and, and taking in what happened at the weekend and we're talking on Monday, I think this will probably be out Wednesday, maybe Thursday, uh, give people a bit of time to listen back to Trafalgar Square and all the goodness of that. And when you're sitting back in your seat and you kind of... Um, taking in everything that's happened over the past six years, not just the past four years, and the pride that's been ripped out of the club by numerous different people, numerous players, numerous um, owners and, and chairmen. There's something there. There is a spark. And, and you know, you don't, want to be, you don't want to be quoting people and be dead cheesy, but you touched on Quinny there before and um, the Bob Stokoe, Bob Stokoe famous uh, saying that he says, obviously, of, you know, the... Um, he, he, he didn't. He didn't bring the magic back. It was always there. He just needed to find it. Do you know what I mean? And I think that Sheffield United game, Sheffield Wednesday. Sorry, sorry, Sheffield fans. Um, think they're the championship already, aren't they? Um, that Sheffield game when the Stewart scored and the fireworks and that, and it was just like, this is the something that I know and remember. And um, I'm just. Just to go back before when I said I don't think any of the players in management listen to, but if you are, um, thanks so much for the efforts you've put in, especially the likes of Luke O'Neill and Lyndon Gooch. I don't know what the, the history 
books all would have put you down as if you hadn't won that game, but the history books now show that you got something promoted and you played the long game. Same with Aidan McGeady. I know he didn't get on the pitch, but that guy single-handedly was our only hope for about three seasons. He almost single-handedly dragged us through this division. I'm so pleased that if it's his last, Lyndon Gooch, Bailey Wright, um, or Aidan McGee, if it is their last and there's, there's ones in there that in time we'll discuss if we would keep them, this is not the podcast for it. Um, thanks so much for getting us through it, playing the long game, sticking with it, sticking with something even when it was crap and you were getting criticised and you knew it was crap and the club was crap. You stuck with it and you, you've won at Wembley and you've given us a day that has turned the ship around and, and give us all a moment to be like, you know what, this club is not a joke league one club, it's an enormous football club that will be always famous, always strong, always powerful and always backed by an absolutely venomous, magic set of people. Um, and you were part of that and you were part of turning that ship round. And for Alex Neal and the other players that have maybe not been here as long as Luke and, and Lyndon and Aiden and the likes of Bailey, Danny Bart, for example, thanks for your part on it as well because you started turning this ship around and no matter what happens in the future, you've got that on your Sunland CV and as fans, we don't forget it. Um, and it just feels class to be back supporting the club. That feels where we're at. Um, and I know I got a bit passionate there. You're not used to that, are you? Everyone listening. I see, see, I can give right speeches. For that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how I wanted to round it up. Um, we're back in the championship. We've had a class day, a day you'll never, ever, ever forget. Um, and this club is going 100% back to where it at least at least should be and hopefully onwards and upwards with with a, a most wonderful bald man I've ever seen in my life, um, which is Alex Neal. So uh, thanks very much. And Brad, thanks for letting me rant for a bit. Um, I hope that everyone at home quite enjoyed that, actually. No, cheers, Graham. Um, just echo everything you've just said there. You get me a bit emotional after all that. Are you cry. Um, <laughs> I know, like, we oh, say thank you a lot to people I would also like to say because obviously all different podcasts people want as many subscribers as they want as mm-hmm. they can I want to thank the lads over at Wiseman say Vogue Report yourself especially all the different fanzines SAFC Fan TV Fans React everyone for even when it was down in the dumps for continuing to put out content to allow some fans to at least have something to listen to and yeah just to, to, for them to voice the way the fans were feeling I hope that we've done it over the season as well and I hope that in the championship we'll have many more we're going to have ups we're going to have some downs um, but it's great for me to be just guesting on with you Grim uh, I've loved every minute of it and I <laughs> yeah I, um, and I just echo what you say thank you to the club and it finally feels like I do have a club back that I fell in love with Mm-hmm. Um, let's just go in the championship, son. Let's just go in the championship. Let's We're now a championship win. podcast. We're let's a championship win club. Let's go and win it. I'll let you into something. I've already booked four weekends in May next year um, in London on them uh, pre cancellations, just in case <laughs> we get into a playoff situation. <laughs> because I've done it quite early for this one I think it might be an omen because the other times we got the Wembley it was a spur of the moment first year we went down in the camper van uh, against Portsmouth and stayed in Barnet in the pub, pub, pub car park 
he said we can use it as long as we go and drink in his pub that was like on a whim and then the chart one was last minute so this one I booked early so I've already booked next year and I hope it's a good omen as well fingers crossed it's so nice to just chat about positivity but before we all end up crying collectively um, in a positive way um, thanks for joining me Brad I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to it I think this will probably be the end of the, the Wembley stuff and then we might dig into a few former player interviews um, we might have a look back over the season where we mash it all together I just need to find time to do that that takes a hell of a lot of work but I'm going to do it don't worry um, and then when we come back it'll be a championship preview show a championship review show and hopefully a really successful season and a really successful period in someone's history but Brad thanks for joining me for the the, the final Wembley uh, preview uh, preview Wembley show we- what it- <laughs> preview, preview. What the final final chat about Wembley? Um, I go final describe. league one. The final league one podcast. The final league one podcast. Touch wood, hopefully. Um, aye, thanks very much, Brad. Cheers. Pleasure.